0: Welcome to You Still, a podcast hosted by me, Ella Delancey-Jones. We talk about motherhood, the absolute elation and the surprises, as well as attempting to bridge the gap between who we were before we had our children and who we are now. Don't forget to follow at You Still Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss a thing. It's lovely to have you here. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, season two. It's been a long time coming hasn't it? I think we wrapped up season one in October of 2022 but obviously we'd pre-recorded so actually it feels like it's been a long time since I've done this. So obviously it has been quite a while but I'm just wondering how I actually managed it in the first place because at the time of recording last year Polly was like eight months old, she was barely sleeping, we were coming off the back of a really really bad patch with her sleep she was up every couple of hours she was still on three naps and she was napping for 30 minutes at a time so maximum I have about an hour and a half a day to do all my freelance work and then the podcast and then I'd spend my evenings editing and splicing things together and I somehow managed it and it's something that I mentioned to one of my guests that's going to come up actually and we just said you know you just manage to get things done don't you because I I don't know whether it was just because I was so sleep deprived that I actually felt like I was on drugs. I felt like I was constantly buzzed, like, you know, that kind of feeling where you wake up and you're still pissed from the night before. That's how I felt all the time for about 10 weeks. So I don't know whether that kind of feeling just kept me going. I kind of had committed to something and I needed to to see it through. That was the kind of pusher as well. This time round, I've got a lot more, I don't want to say a lot more spare time because that makes it sound like everything's golden. But yeah, I've got a bit more, we've got a bit more of a routine now. So Polly's napping. She's, you know, she's two hours into her afternoon nap and I'm just like, yeah, just record a bit of a podcast. Can't believe I'm even saying that after after sort of last year and those very very short naps that we were that we were facing she's also sleeping well overnight I'm really sorry to say it if someone is listening who is in the trenches of bad sleep I mean let us be the example of the idea that things really do get better and you really don't have to try anything drastic to change anything if you don't want to and I think that is the most important thing to say there isn't it really because if there's anything I've learned from this relatively short motherhood journey it's that you really have to do just what works for you obviously we can all bounce off each other we we can research we can get advice but you have to take what resonates with you and I really want this place to continue being a judgment-free zone and somewhere where everyone can feel safe, sorry about the cringe, somewhere that everyone can come to and know that it's not going to be, they're not going to be feeling worse than they did when they started listening. That is not ever the aim. So we've got a brand new season, we've got brand new guests, and I'm really excited about everything. I really wanted to come back to the podcast with fresh eyes, improve what I did last time, and try and make it more of an enjoyable experience for everyone. It's been really amazing to have all this great feedback, by the way, for season one. I was actually quite surprised how much I received. So obviously, when I first started, I knew that there would be some people who would be really supportive. But essentially, I thought I'd be shouting into the void. But to have people. Coming to me in my DMs from around the world. We have someone in Australia, people in America, people in Germany. Hello. Hello, by the way, if you're listening, thank you so much. And it just made me realise that I'm doing a good thing, not to to be all like, you know, about it, but just, it was something that I wanted to do for myself, but in turn, I feel like I'm actually doing something for other people. So that's the aim of the game. We're going to be talking working mums, when's the right time to have a baby, how people cope with the juggle of being a mum, and just general chit-chat about the way of things and motherhood in 2023. So without further ado, let's get going. So I want to introduce my next guest on You Still. This is Lucy Baker. She's the founder of Geriatric Mum Blog. She's a confidence coach who helps people feel empowered at work. And she's also a radio presenter. She is mum to three children who are aged 12, 10 and 3. Lucy had her last baby at 43 years old. So hello, Lucy. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest. Good morning. Good morning. So pleased to have you on. I think we've been talking on Twitter for quite a long time, actually, haven't we? That, that's yeah. how we kind of met.
1: I think our paths have crossed for, yeah, probably half a year to a year or something, and always just looking out for each other, aren't we? So yes, and finally, I'm here on your podcast, so yes, can't wait.
0: Yes, so at the time of recording, we are on the 6th of January, so we've obviously just had the festive period, it's been super, super busy, I think we've been trying to kind of pin down a date for a while, but in between child sicknesses, which is never-ending, school bits pieces, it's just been a bit of a journey, hasn't it? but we're here now it has and you say that about the child illness thing and I was thinking this and sometimes as a mum you have to
1: just get out of stuff because your baby's ill or your child is ill and as you've experienced on the run-up to Christmas it goes absolutely crash bang wallop doesn't it like wham germ central Do you know I said to myself this week that the run up to Christmas next year I'm going to do it totally different I might even take my kids out of school because they were so poorly but yeah I mean it's just it's a heavy load so January feels a bit lighter doesn't it
0: yeah that's really interesting you say that actually because I think we got away quite well with illnesses at Christmas because uh, I think a lot of people took their kids out of nursery so because mm. we put Polly in nursery she only goes once a week I think she got off lightly because the, the numbers were quite down but the, yeah there's been so many people who were so poorly over Christmas with their kids and obviously themselves as well so so it's good timing that we're actually recording this now because Lucy has been in a bit of press recently. So as as I just said at the time of recording, it's 6th of Jan. Uh, Stacey Solomon, the lovely Stacey Solomon, lovely woman, what a ray of sunshine she is, has announced that she is pregnant. Yes, and she is 33 years old. So that is just two years above the national average. According to the Office National Statistics, the average age to have a child is 31 years old. Old yeah. as I said, you know, Stacey Solomon is only just 33. I think it's only two years above, but she she faced a bit of backlash. So, uh, do you want to talk us through kind of seeing that story and how that how that felt for you? Yeah. So the first thing was that somebody announces their, their pregnancy online, and you get
1: loads of comments. Everyone's like, "Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing!" But because it was her fifth or is her fifth pregnancy, we think we don't know. We don't always know the facts behind the scenes. But she's announcing her fifth pregnancy. There was a lot of there was a lot of negativity around that in the couple of people mentioned her age and actually quite you know outwardly online said the baby could be born with a disability because you're too old and obviously I gasped and just shrunk back in my seat was like my god what are people saying but also there was a lot of um, you know crikey why is she still going you know why is she still having another baby and even people I spoke to said God Stacey you know people always have something to say Mm. and of course she's in the public eye and she knows to expect that kind of backlash but alongside the positivity that she gets There is a massive dose of negativity. I faced quite a lot of negativity when I announced my pregnancy when I was 42. So obviously I'm 10 years old. I was 10 years older than Stacey is. And people are even picking her out for her age. So you can imagine the kind of things people said to me. And of course, I'm not in the public eye in the way that she is. But of course, when you announce your pregnancy, somebody somewhere says something. They always have something to say. You know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and you don't know how how it makes somebody feel and the whole obviously like you said I've been in the press a bit this week talking about the fact
0: that I sympathize that she's getting negativity because I had it too we want to talk about when is the right time to ba- to have a baby is there one and obviously as we said you you've got children who are 12 10 and 3 so as you know you had your last baby at 43 so I really want to talk about this term geriatric mother geriatric pregnancy what does that mean and and when did you first encounter that? Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, the term is absolutely
1: horrendous, isn't it? It just gives you these visions <laughs> yeah. of this ancient woman. I mean, geriatric is... Elderly. Yeah, you know, my frame, really old, really decrepit sort of age. So, you know, in, in the UK, people, women who have babies over the age of 35 can be referred to as geriatric. So not always. I luckily, well, I say luckily, but I was called advanced maternal age and old older mum when i had my baby at 43 but i'll wind it back a little bit because people um people still are being called geriatric women i know that for a fact because i've met many along my, you know along the way since i became an older mum but i had my first baby at 34 so i was sort of on the cusp of geriatric wasn't i nobody said a word obviously I had my second baby who's now 10 at the age of 37. Nobody said a word, nobody said anything. And then when I fell pregnant with Rocky at 42, immediately I was put into this risk category and this will make you giggle. And I've said this a, a bit over the years, but when I told my midwife, so you have a booking appointment when you first find out you're pregnant, she came to my house, we sat down, she'd got a big paper booklet out and she said, write your date of birth. And I said, 12th of the first 76. And she went, oh, she gasped. Yes. so I was like oh god you know and and I think by this point I'd you know you've been through all these things in your own head you know I'm gonna be 43 when the baby's born and I'm gonna be this and that and you do a a bit of mental age calculations because you just can't help it that's just the way it is but of course Dan and I my husband and I were like yeah it's cool we're doing this it's fine and then you met with a midwife who says oh 76 and then she went to the other section in the notes on your paper booklet and wrote older mum in caps and I was like oh bloody brilliant thanks for that but I was met with negativity from the very first moment and at this point you have to remember I haven't told anybody really you know I told the odd I told one friend and my husband knew obviously I hadn't told the kids didn't tell my parents didn't tell my family so the first thing was this like wall of negativity so of course you're like oh Christ, where am I going to go from here? You know, and also at that point, of course, when you do your pregnancy test and you, it comes up positive, you I jumped online. Of course you do. Google. I'm like, uh, older mum, pre- pregnant at 42. You know, all those kind of Googling things, Dr. Google, and it came back as risk, risk, risk. So I'd already got that in my head. I'd already eliminated some of those feelings for myself. And then I was met with this sort of negativity from the midwife. And I thought, this isn't helping you know, I'm actually really excited that I'm pregnant, but this isn't helping. So where do you go from here? You know, it started off to be a negative place.
0: Out of interest, when you were looking at these risks, what sort of things were they? So yeah, the risks tend to be that preeclampsia comes back
1: quite a lot, risk of the baby being born too early, the risk of a disability, whatever that means. They put you in this high risk category as soon as you hit a certain age. And interestingly, of course, when I'm going through my journey, I, as an older mum, you get put under consultant care, which actually every, every mother, every pregnant person should be under consultant care because you feel like you're a bit more looked after, but because I was older. So I, at this point, was asking lots of questions, you know, to my consultant, what did she deem as the geriatric pregnancy? And she said 40 plus in her world. I said, how do they decide what these ages are? What, why, who decides this stuff? And she said, well, it's a, Group of kind of pompous doctors, she said, who will all go to a expensive hotel retreat one weekend and just decide this stuff. And I was, and it made me laugh. And she was obviously a bit tongue in cheek, but the point being, there's no real science to that anymore. You know, it, there's such a wide range now of when women have babies. Of
0: course, because isn't I think mums are getting gradually older anyway, right? I think the average age to have a baby was 28. A few years ago, and now it's gone up to thirty-one. Yeah, it was twenty-eight, and it has moved. I mean, it's it's a fairly big jump if you think about it, isn't it? Three years,
1: but I wonder. I don't know. You know, looking back historically, how much that sort of percentages have changed. Whether this is a bigger jump than normal, but actually, the more you know, as I've opened up this kind of geriatric mum world and connected myself to lots of people who are older mums just like me, you know, it seems really co- much more common and especially in big cities. You know, in London, loads of women I've spoken to have said it's really normal, but some places it's not normal. And when I did announce my pregnancy, lots of people had something to say about it. And it's like, oh,
0: come on. Was it people like your friends that would say, think like starting again or something?
1: Yeah, there was comments from friends and family and a lot of mums at the school gates who Mm. I was you know, it's more that, to be honest, from people I would associate myself with who are not, you know, not my kind of core friends, if that makes sense. Um, and they, you know, the, the biggest comment that sticks in my head is you're going to be 47 when the baby starts school. You know, there's me five months pregnant, six months pregnant, sort of feeling quite good, having a lovely pregnancy, actually really enjoying that one because I'd had a bit of a gap between the girls thinking, God, I'm really enjoying doing this again. It's great. And then people say you're going to be the oldest mum at school gates. And I thought you'd had enough of nappies. Why are you doing it again? I thought you'd, I thought you'd I thought you'd drawn the line under the girls, that kind of thing. Because, you know, if you look at the ages, I think Ivy was seven when he was born, six and a half, seven. So there was a gap. And people have this assumption that I'd stopped. But, you know, it's an assumption. But people have to, you know, have your, have your thoughts by all means. But actually telling a pregnant woman what you think about her pregnancy is really tough.
0: I mean, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I, I've experienced that kind of thing, um, obviously not about my age, but I think a lot of pregnant women do. It's almost that just you wake type of vibe, you know, it's like, I'm already pregnant. There's nothing I can do about it right now. So why are you telling me how much, how little sleep I'm going to get? How, why are you telling me about how much labor's going to hurt and you know, Mm. what the terrible twos are going to be like, because you're just feeding into some kind of negativity. You're, you're raising my anxiety and for what? Mm. It's very strange. And when you're pregnant you're
1: you're so hormonal, you know, you I don't know what yours was like, but you know some at some point I was just sobbing in the corner, you know, hormones were all over the place for no real reason, just because I was probably just emotional and hormonal and pregnant. And then when someone says, "Oh, you're, you're knocking on forty," whatever, you know, they're talking about my age. But also people always comment about your bump, like, "Oh, that's really low, that's really high, that you're look you've put on weight." You, have, yeah. you know, it's like, "Oh, Girls and it comes from other women as well, which is one of my big problems that we need to champion each other, you know, especially at these really vulnerable times, and almost not and protect each other. I think the word I want to use is. You know how you said when everyone's like, Oh my god, the labor is gonna rip you in half. It's like, let's just not mention that. Let's just support and protect. Because no matter what somebody says to you about the labour, you you can't get your head around what it all means anyway. So let's just, you know, prepare each other, not scare each other.
0: I'm interested to know, when you were under consultant care, the care that you received and then the subsequent labour, was that different to having your other children? Were you under consultant care for them at all? With the labour, did you find it any different because you were termed, inverted commas, So I was only under consultant
1: care for my third. So my geriatric baby, Um, I was I had scans more regularly than I did with the girls. But actually, I don't talk about this that often. But Rocky, when we were 20 weeks, when I was 20 weeks pregnant, we found out he'd got one kidney. So partly we were under consultant care because I was ancient and because he'd got one kidney and actually both things worked out beautifully. He's happy, healthy, absolutely fine. And my husband may well be walking around with one kidney right now or my dad. You know, we don't most people haven't got checked because back in our day we didn't have scans. But yeah, so so I was under a, a closer eye because of those two things. but the labor nobody did anything differently with me. I was not treated in any way shape or form differently when I went in to have him at hospital at Margate Hospital. I went into labor at home. husband drove me to hospital and I had him in any just in the same way that I had the girls. The only thing I did differently was I decided to stay in hospital for three days afterwards. I think my wisdom as a third time mum and more confident person, you know, somebody who actually knows their own mind more because I'm a bit older and wiser. I said, look, I'm not going home straight away. Try and make me kind of thing. Because even after having Ivy, the middle child, I went home after four hours.
0: Oh my God. Don't, I
1: know. So I'm honestly still a bit traumatized by that because I had hers. It was a wonderful birth. It was really straightforward. that The easiest one out of all of them. First birth was just, you can't even describe it. Second birth, absolutely fine. She shot out. Third birth with Rox was traumatic just because he got distressed. But so after having IV, she was born at half 11 at night and they did the whole, you know, check the baby, check me, make sure you use contraception. They have that conversation, don't they? Have you thought about contraception? I'm like, I've just had a baby, shut up. They do that. They tick a few boxes, have a wee. And then they went, you can go home. And my husband sort of said, oh, come on, let's go. And I stupidly potted off down the hospital corridor at half three in the morning She was born at half 11. I was home by half three. And uh, actually, so I learned from that. And anybody listening to this podcast today, dig your heels in. You don't have to go home if you don't want to. It's a big shock. I got home. My two and a half year old woke up because my sister was babysitting. Nancy came down the stairs. Mummy's had a new baby. Mm -hmm. And it it was just the worst day on planet Earth because I was in shock. I've got this child up running around, got a baby screaming. It was awful. So, yeah, any, my one of my big bits of advice would be listen to your in, intuition. Don't let anybody make you do anything you don't want to do. It's really important, I think, that that message is shared. But then after rocks, I said, no, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to establish feeding. I'm going to, you know, because even though I've done it three times, I still didn't really know what I was doing breastfeeding. You forget mm-hmm. And every baby's different. So I was like, no, I'm going to sit here until I feel like I know what I'm doing. And that is, for me, that was just a great thing to do.
0: I mean, back in the day, my mum stayed in hospital for two weeks. Mm -hmm. yeah my mum I think was in for a week she was 21 when she had me so we'll come on to that later about different ages but I think that's that's a really good piece of advice because as as a first time mum me especially I kind of just got told Mm. what to do and where to be and when to go home and I just kind of was like okay I was also discharged from postnatal literally I don't think I even stayed the night because she was born when I stayed the night and then the next morning they were like oh you can go home and that night someone had latched her and then just gone and we were struggling to establish breastfeeding my baby had an infection so we actually spent the week in NICU wow so I didn't go home however even though being in NICU was horrible I credit it for the fact Mm. that I was being able to stay because it allowed us to establish breastfeeding and I do believe that if I had gone home and probably I wouldn't have fought it because I didn't know I could ask to stay Mm. I don't think we would have Established breastfeeding. No, you would
1: have gone home. You would have got really sore boobs. You would be in tears. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with Nancy. I had had an epidural. You know, they had to take the catheter out and all that horrible stuff. Ooh. And then they lobbed the baby on my boob completely incorrectly. They did it rather than go that way. Nobody will see this, but rather than sort of launch the baby from you know the, anyway, like a crane. Yeah, but you sort of go on that way. She they got me to do it. Mm-hmm the outside in sort of thing and anyway I got home my boobs were so sore I was in tears and luckily at that point I'd got a friend who was a breastfeeding counsellor you know like one of the volunteer kind of counsellors and I rang her I was like Vicky I am this I hate this it's awful and she talked me through it on the phone so if I didn't have her I would have been a complete pickle but nobody one woman came around said stick the baby on your boob you'll be fine like I wasn't Mm. fine it was horrendous so you know you don't get that support and I have always said with having a baby you feel you get lots of care before pregnancy you know through the labor all of that and then you just like plop off the end of this cliff don't you with this brand new baby and it's like what do I do
0: now I was shell-shocked by that I was as I say I was under consultant care as well and I felt so looked after so looked after all the way through And then yeah, they were like, right, you can go home. Here's your lactulose. (laughs) Yeah. And then I just thought, is that it? Am I just leaving with this baby? Obviously that is a great piece of wisdom. And I I do hope people do pick up on that and and carry it with them. And I will certainly be digging my heels in a bit more if I if I do ever have another baby. But just aside from that, obviously I think you said it was six and a half years between your middle child and your youngest, right? So I mean, that's a fairly long time. Do you think that you have Change your parenting has it has your age e- well either your age or your experience of being a mother twice over beforehand has that changed your parenting style is there anything that you used to do that you think I'm not doing that anymore I'm going to try a new tactic mm. what have you what have you changed and what have you kept Well the same? I
1: definitely relax and having been through you know I, I reckon in my 30s I wasn't that confident in fact I know I wasn't and now I do work um, on confidence and I help other women with their confidence because I've been through a whole sort of, not transformation myself but I've I basically worked on my confidence in between having the girls and him so what that's done I think in terms of my motherhood I was going to say the word skills but I don't even know if they're ever skills they're just like getting by um, I think what it's just made me more relaxed it's made me more in tune with myself it's made me not listen to others. It's made me not read any books about pregnancy particularly or or children. Um, I mean, I do dip in and out to to um, literature about, you know, about things I might need to know about. One of my children, for example, has got ADHD. So I, I do a lot of reading around that. But in terms of my general over, you know, my general parenting, I'm just more relaxed. I like it more. I don't think about having the latest you know, gimmick, the latest pram, the latest this, that, and the other. And that definitely happened when I'd had Rocky as well. I could have, you know, I could have bought the latest pram that was a thousand quid and I just didn't. I actually bought a secondhand bugaboo from a friend of my sister's and they'd had it. It looked brand new. It was in their loft. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to have that. Cause I love them and it's fine. And it cost me 200 quid or something. So what mm. it's afforded me, I think this kind of wisdom, Oh, I hate the word wisdom because that makes you sound like you know what you're talking about. But it's just afforded me some to be more relaxed. And actually, one of the real benefits of having a, a gap is that, and you'll know this, because when your baby, when you're trying to have a shower in the early days and your baby's screaming and you've got it in a bounce and you're mm. like, shit, I can't even wash my hair without my baby screaming its head off, I'd give him to the girls. Like, can you look after Rocky for five minutes? And I'm going to have a shower or go to the loo in peace. Or actually even shave my legs so I didn't have any of those things because the girls were quite close together two and a half years pretty much so you know Nancy was a bombing around toddler when Ivy was born so that was really hard I felt and then I had this gap and Rocky came along and I was like you know what I'm so relaxed because I've, I've got a bit more support around the house I mean I didn't get the girls to do much but there was little things that they could do and I'd got a bit of knowledge a bit of wisdom and a bit of parenting knowledge under my maternity bra because
0: <laughs> that's the thing as well isn't it because you, obviously every child is different but I think well I assume that once you've had a couple you kind of know what's normal yeah there was things that Polly used to do and I used to be like oh my god the grunting at night the new, no one told me about the newborn <laughs> noises and I used to be like, "Oh my god, my child is a is is like a farmyard <laughs> chorus. What is going on?" And I didn't know that that was normal. I yeah. think I asked my health visitor. She's yeah. making all these noises at night, and obviously now, if I had another one, I'd know yeah. that that was normal. Yeah. And they, yeah, it is
1: that, isn't it? Because you don't know what is normal. And I don't think there is a normal, is there? But there's a, you know, an area of normal that you then start to realise that you're kind of within that normally. normally. Um, but yeah, and I think the hardest thing though when you've got children and you'll be experiencing this is when they do get poorly. And we touched on this at the beginning, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that I never quite feel like I know what I'm doing as a parent, no matter which child it is. Um... But, yeah, good old cow poll and stripping them off if they've got a temperature and all those kind of things. That Actually, that's the thing I've learned. When Nancy once was really poorly, she'd got some sort of flu or fever, and I, have you know, wrapped her up. I was, oh, God, she looks freezing cold. I'm going to wrap her up. Completely the wrong thing. You feel really guilty stripping off your shivering child to down to their nappy. But, you know, you become more confident with those kind of things as you go through motherhood, I think. But like I said, at, earlier I don't think you ever have any skills as a mum because absolutely every moment is different isn't it every
0: day every you know experience every scenario scenario just because they're always growing if there's something that I've learned is that pretty much everyone is winging it there's no perfect mother there's no one that's got it always 100% spinning all the plates unless they maybe have a bit of help dare I say it um but yeah i think everyone is pretty much winging it and things don't go to plan mm. and that i think that's the biggest thing that that motherhood has taught me because i'm quite a controlled i like to know the plan and this is the way it's going to go right. it's taught me to kind of lightly just let loose of the, of those controls and just kind of go with the flow a bit more and realize that usually pretty much everything is going to be fine and it's going to work out yeah i think do you know what that is the that is the mentality that i've learnt to have and you're right.
1: When you, before children, you know exactly what's happening and when, and you can control nearly everything. You you lose that control, don't you? Sometimes I'm sitting here, you know, doing some work, and my phone rings, and it's one of the primary school, one of the schools. I'm like, oh, my first thought is, oh shit! Mm. And you, you know, so and so's ill. You got to come collect them. So your whole day, just you've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to bend and shape, haven't you? And I think if nothing, if motherhood can't teach, you know, it teaches us lots. But one of the good things is that it teaches you to be more flexible but actually that and that can be hard can't it because your house ends up being a bit of a mess and kids throw food all over the floor and they ruin your clothes and it's just like okay I'm, I'm gonna give up trying to look nice because you could buy a nice white sofa but when you've got children it's like why would you do that because you it's gonna get trashed
0: I'm not, I'm not really usually in the market of uh judging other people's houses but I'm very quietly side-eyeing Molly May's white house completely white house and she's imminently giving birth and I just think god need some tarps babes yeah yeah (laughs) but I quite like that I kind of like the
1: chaos sometimes but I also like those moments you appreciate the
0: moments of peace and quiet so much more don't you I saw I think it was yesterday I saw that you'd had some space and time to do your skincare yep without any children around. Yeah. That's just lovely, isn't it? I mean often I'm sitting on the loo and it's like "Mum."
1: <laughs> they do this "Mum" and you you remember doing that as your when you were a teenager or something mm-hmm. when you were younger you do this "Mum." And I'm like "What?" I'm, I'm on the loo. They're like knocking on the door, trying to open the door from the other side. I'm like "Oh please." So that moment that you talk about I I got my skin oils and so, And I stood there for, it was only about six, seven minutes, but I was like, oh my God, this is heaven. Little face massage, little de-stress. You know, just six, seven minutes
0: to myself feels like absolute luxury. Blissful. So let's go back to talking about ages and societal pressure. As I've already said, according to ONS, the average age to have a child these days, especially in, I think in the UK, is 31 years old. So let's talk about the inverted commas again right time to have a child so as I said earlier my mum was 21 yeah I was 30 when Polly was born yeah I was 30 I'm trying to think about that (laughs) hang on I was 30 you said you were 34 when you had your first and you were 43 when you had Rocky your third is that do you believe realistically there is ever a right time to have children it won't be a surprise that my answer is no
1: You know, if you you could try and line up all the ducks, as they say, you know, I need enough money, I need the right house, I need to have the right job and the stability and the mental this and that and, you know, got all these things out of the way. It doesn't happen. That's why when I fell pregnant with rocks, it was like, you know what, it's cool let's just go for it. You know, there's not a right time having a baby at 42. There's not a right time at having a baby at 21 or 30 or, you know, 34. When I had my first, it, there's no real right time because you will never be ready because it's such a massive thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Incredible, but also hard at the same time. And I don't think you'll ever be ready. And of course now I've afforded, you know, having him later on means that I'm bit more confident I'm kind of in my groove as a person I say and you know but then on the on the flip side of that I'm going to be 63 when he's 20 whereas you're going to be 50 when Polly is 20 you know So you're going to have a, she might have left home by then. You know, you can't even imagine those times, can you? Mm. But she probably would have left home and you're still going to be only be 50, which is cool because then you still got quite a lot ahead of you. And then your mum, if you look back to your mum, she was 41 when you were 20. So, you know, that's a whole, you could go back to uni. You could do so many things at that age, couldn't you? But then I don't think I could have had a baby when I was 21 or even 30 because I was all over the place. A, I was partying quite hard. I was living in London at 30. I was, was I still living in London? Yeah, just broken up from a long relationship. You know, I was all over the place. I was really enjoying myself. So it's just tired. It's just who you meet, when you meet, how you meet. And also, I found this out through my geriatric mum sort of journey. When I started the Facebook group, women just flooded into this group and told me their stories. And you don't know why a person has a baby later in life. One lady told me that she'd met her husband and unfortunately he got poorly and died you know and then she had a long gap she met somebody else and then they had a baby so that's why I'm so keen to share this don't judge sort of vibe because nobody knows why she had a baby later you know she'd been through a bereavement that's bloody hard and then she'd got this baby and if somebody then said why you know you're too old to have a baby can you imagine how that would feel so there's so many reasons but yeah my I, I don't think there's a right age in the answer to your question it's when it happens and sometimes people can't have babies we all know those stories of when people have struggled to get pregnant and then they either decide they're going to give up or they carry on you know it's hard so how lucky um, I think I am so lucky that I've been able to have three children at the ripe old age of 43 and I'm 47 next week and I'm like Do you know what I'm I'm loving this. I'm actually loving it being an older mum. So I'm I'm singing from the rooftops about
0: it. That's the crux of it, isn't it? The right time for me. I think there's a lot of societal pressure still, to be honest, in 2023, that the idea is you meet someone around the age of 25, you date for a bit, then you get engaged, then you get married, then you have a baby. I still feel like that's just not going away. It's just this preset timeline, isn't it? Yeah. And I think I probably fell into that slightly because
1: I met Dan and then it was like, and I actually was pregnant when he proposed to me and then we got married in London when Nancy was seven months. So we sort of did it a bit the wrong way around and nobody said anything, but you wonder whether they might have thought it at that point. So we sort of slightly bent the rules, but we still did follow the typical pattern, you know, baby, baby married, another more kids buying house together, blah, blah, blah.
0: But I think now if people don't do it that way, then great. Exactly. You know, I've had my friends come to me and say, you know, we've been talking about me having a baby and bit that maybe they were about 28 or 29 at the time going, oh my God, I haven't met anyone yet. I haven't met anyone. It's like, so? Isn't it better to wait, meet someone that you really, really, really love, want to have a baby with rather than trying to rush mm. and find someone and settle? I mean, we get that. This, this is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like that, that rush and that need to fit into that box. Yeah. Yeah. Quite stressful for people I think it's
1: change it is changing you know having these kind of conversations and other women coming forward and saying that they've done it completely a different way you know even some friends have had you know use their friends as sperm donors and stuff like that and it's like why not and and there's no one way to do it is there life is just a massive game (laughs) Just an experience, isn't it? Going back to the age thing, I'm about to be 47. I don't feel any different to the way I did when I was 34. You know, my energy levels are no different, thankfully. I'm pretty fit and healthy. I think, you know, on uh, as a side note to that, I do probably pay a bit more attention to the fact I'm an older mum and i am you know, been going to the gym and things like that because I don't want to feel old and creaky. So I, I guess feeling, you know, knowing that I'm about to be 47, you know, I'm on the wrong side of 45. I've paid a bit more attention to my health over the last year or so because of that. So that does enter your head, I think. When you know that you're definitely getting older, but then yeah, being an older mum, those are some of the things that do come into play. You know, they we can't deny that those things are going to happen. So actually, I'm you know my little boy's going to start school this year, and I'm wearing HRT patches, but so what? You know, that's it's just the way it is. And I think having that confidence and being slightly more, slightly in a better place in my life, I think in my
0: forties, you just you just get on with it. Well, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. I really appreciate it. It's been a really insightful conversation. I think, actually, it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I want to spread the word
1: about people not judging other people for their their choices in life, you know, especially around motherhood. I think that goes across all of motherhood. You know, what you dress your baby in, what pram you push, all of that stuff. It's like, let's just let everyone get on with it. And it's about, you know, I am obviously talking about being an older mum a lot because I don't want other mums who are older to feel like they're not included in the kind of motherhood world, if that makes sense. And I guess it goes
0: for younger mums too, doesn't it? Because they are sidelined to a degree. If you do want to connect with Lucy, she is on Instagram at geriatric underscore mum. And she's also got a website, which is shecoachesconfidence.com. And then your blog is geriatricmum.co.uk perfect check that out as well so thank you so much for coming on and yeah i will catch you on social we will connect thank you so much ella thank you for joining me for this episode of you still you can join the community and keep up to date with all new episodes by following at you still podcast on instagram and twitter If you want to get in touch to tell me how I'm doing, suggest new guests, or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover, email youstillpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.